if you can turn that I can't into I can, and like that is your strength, I think that's the most important thing. So you, you mentioned a great point. I didn't have to pull, I, didn't, I was able to grow my company faster than most people around me because I didn't have to pull any income out for a year and a half. Welcome to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, bringing you information directly from industry leaders in multifamily and commercial real estate. Each week, Anthony Pinto interviews top multifamily experts and digs into the hard lessons learned on their pathways to success. We get real to give you a more holistic picture and help you avoid pitfalls others won't tell you about. He will teach you about raising money, growing your portfolio, and attracting investors to your cause. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. Hey guys, I want to take a second and thank you for listening. This show could not have gotten off the ground if it wasn't for your dedication, continuing support, and constructive feedback. And a special thanks goes out to Whitney Sewell from the Real Estate Syndication Show. He has provided tremendous value in setting up this podcast, and he has a kick-ass podcast to boot. But you're here for the show, so let's get into it. Hey, learners, and welcome to another episode of the Lessons in Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Anthony Pinto, and today we are joined by Bill Allen. He is a veteran real estate investor, CEO, and owner of Center Flipping, where he leads the top house flipping and wholesaling major groups in the nation. In 2019, after running uh, many mastermind groups and events as COO, he purchased the training development company House Flipping HQ. He also founded Blackjack Real Estate LC in 2015, where his mission is helping homeowners homes for cash. Uh, the company started in Pensacola, Florida, and over time has been to Chattanooga and Nashville, Tennessee, as well as Huntsville, Alabama. Currently based out of Nashville, Tennessee, Bill and his team currently flip and sell 200 plus deals each year in Tennessee and Northern Florida, which is incredible. So, Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Anthony. It's nice to be here. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, um, you know, as I said, a veteran real estate investor, I meant that in two ways, then you've been doing this for a while and you're also a veteran. So you want to give us a little bit about your, your background? Um, yeah, I was, uh, so... Let's see. I, you know, a veteran real estate investor is an interesting term. I, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people that I've met that have been in the game for 20, 30 years. And I've been, I've like started scaling my business about five years ago, five and a half years ago. So um, I, I would use the term veteran real estate investor loosely. I'm still learning a ton. Every day is different. Um, I have a phenomenal team behind me. But my military background, I flew helicopters and airplanes for the Navy. Uh, just uh, was an engineer, so kind of background in engineering. Went to college at Georgia Tech. I uh, got commissioned, and I had knew nothing about real estate. I had a I had a commanding officer one year, uh, year in college said he bought a house everywhere that he went and never lost money. So that kind of triggered this. Well, maybe I should just buy a house everywhere that I move. And that was in the you know late nineties. So there wasn't any big crashes lately. The late eighties were the the big ones that a lot of people saw. And so um, so I started kind of uh, got my wings. I focused on flight school and uh, went through through that. And then I bought my first condo when I moved to California in 2006. And uh, that was an interesting ride. Um, if it wasn't for the housing assistance pro program that the army did for the military guys, I would have lost my tail on that house when I sold it. Uh, I sold it for about half of what I bought it for so to the tune of about $185,000 difference in what I bought it for. So after the crash, and then I bought some rental, like single family rentals, I would move, I would buy a house and I'd live in it. And then when I left, I'd fix it up and rent it out. And that was kind of my my process. I did a couple of those. And then I saw that real estate was making me more money than I was making investing in the stock market. And uh, I've always been a saver. I've always been a stock market investor. And that's kind of when the light bulb changed for me um, once I had about three rental houses. 
that uh, this is what I want to do. I want to buy more rentals. I want to find out how to uh, grow my net worth faster than just waiting. So I, I really don't have a lot of patience for anything. So <laughs> that's uh, that was a big thing. So that kind of got me into real estate investing. And uh, I have a background in engineering. I was a test pilot for the Navy. I'm very systems oriented. I I, uh, I I was afraid to hire my first person, which um, now I have 30 people that work for me in two different companies. So there's a lot of things that like these dragons that I had to slay mentally uh, along the way investing in real estate. And uh, it's a big difference when you take away that military paycheck and the certainty to go out on your own and uh, run your own company. So that's kind of a, I don't know, short history of uh, military and, and real estate. No, that, that's great. A great kind of synopsis. It, and it's interesting that you, th- you talk about that kind of um, that security blanket of having a W2 job, especially being in the military. Like, you know, during this time that that's going on, like I am happy that, you know, whether I don't work for a week cause I'm on quarantine or, you know, I go to work every day. Like I'm still, I'm still getting the same paycheck. Right. And for a lot of people that is not a guarantee. And um, I think that that is a, a great benefit of, of being in the military, but also, you know, having a, kind of a launch pad to start a side business or a side hustle or real estate, right? Um, if things don't go you know, right in your side business or your, you know, whether it's real estate investing or whatever, you have the, you still have a W2 income coming in, right? And if you stay in for 20 years, you eventually have that action coming in and, and benefits and all this additional stuff. So I think it's a, it's a great launch point. And I think it's a great reason military investors are, are really become the best investors uh, start off, right? You have a lot a lot of support, you have a lot of benefits that come from being in a stable job that a lot of other people don't necessarily have. And I'm sure that that has been a kind of in the, um, what you've seen out over your career with helping other military investors in your own career with, with real estate. Um, so I want to get into something you, you kind of mentioned here. You said you were pretty heavy into stocks and you were doing that for a while. So what was kind of the trigger for you um, to switch over to real estate investing and, and why specifically did you switch over? What kind of differences you see that swayed you to go with, you know, investing in real estate and buying real estate rather than staying in the market? Yeah. Uh, b- before I move on to that, uh, so I'll answer it, but I want to, I want to kind of piggyback on what you said about the W2 stuff. Um, sure. For those of you that are listening, I, I actually built a, I mean, we were doing over a million dollars in profit while I was still active duty and flying airplanes for the Navy at uh, a training squadron in Pensacola. So uh, I think it's interesting because a lot of people say they'll use their full-time job as um, a reason not to instead of a reason to. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really big thing to listen. And, and people will use a competitive market to say, I can't invest right now because it's too competitive, or I can't invest right now. If you can turn that I can't into I can, and like that is your strength. I think that's the most important thing. So you, you mentioned a great point. I didn't have to pull. I didn't. I was able to grow my company faster than most people around me because I didn't have to pull any income out for a year and a half. And so I built my business on the side while I was still working full time. And so a lot of people will say, I don't have the time to do that. I hired some people to allow me to. I knew that time was my weakness, so I hired somebody that was really strong. I had a lot of time involved, and I had some money, and I had a job, so I had security. So if I failed and it didn't work out, then I knew where I was and I had, you know, some money saved up. So I think it's really important to turn those I can't into I can and figure out why that, that weakness that a lot of people think is their weakness is really your strength. And it goes for anything. It does not just a job, but it's, it's, I have money. I don't have money. It's too competitive. It's not competitive enough. There's always someone who feels the opposite. So if you take everything and, and turn it on its side and say, how can I use this to do what I want to do? So to answer your question about the stock side, mm-hmm. I think that, um, for me, I track, I, I, I'm a, I'm a data nerd. 
so mm-hmm. I, I tracked everything. And I was track. I would. I was saving about fifty-five percent of what I made. So I was a um, when I was a, a lieutenant commander. I was O four. I was still living off of O2 pay. So in my mind, that's how I lived. So you know, I was saving a bunch of money. So I'd watch my net worth and I would track my net worth sheet every month. So I'd put assets and liabilities, bank accounts, put every car that I had, the, every loan that I had, all those things on there. And I would watch it every month and I would see how my movement's going. Every month I would check in on my stocks. I'd check in on my rental values. I'd remove the commissions if I had sold that rental property, all those things to give me a number. And then, so every month I have a sheet that I would track. And then on page two of that spreadsheet, I took the snapshot of every month. So I'd update all the details. And then I, on the second page, I'd have a snapshot. And on that snapshot, it would show me what's happening. Am I moving up or down? And then I'd have a, a, a detail line that I would say, why? Like, what did I do that month to move the needle? And I don't feel like I was doing anything to move the needle when I was investing in the stock market. So it would just be, how's the market doing? How much had I saved any more? Did I spend a little bit less? What did that look like? My operating budget for myself and my family, for me, it was just me then. So I didn't have a family and kids when I was investing in the stock market. I, I got married late in life, had kids a little bit later in life. And so I would watch that and see the movement. And I wouldn't have any control of it. So when I bought a couple of rental houses, I started to see that it was starting to compound on itself. And I was able to control my, more of my income. I was able to buy a good deal. I was able to immediately like add some equity to my sheet and it would go up. And when I saw that, I started feeling really good. I, I was in control. I can move up my equity. And then I bought a rental house that, um, that I was, I was meant to, I was going to rent out. I was fixing it up, rent it out. My realtor said, you know, if you sell this, we can make, you can make some pretty good money. And so I said, okay, well, uh, I'll think about that. And then I, I, I thought about it, ran the numbers, fixed it up a little bit nicer. She wanted another commission, right? So she wanted to, she got the purchase. She wanted the sale commission too. So she mm-hmm. was pushing me in that direction. I sold it. I made 40, like around $43,000. And when I did that, I said, wow, this is, this is like half of what I make a year uh, in three or four months. And then I really saw my net worth sheet go up. And so that's when I said, okay, well, th- this is active income. I realized that I'm going to be, have to be working here. and I'm going to work hard. Let me see if I can do this again. And so then I went out it took me six months to find another one, found another one, made $45,000 on that one. And that's when I said, okay, I think there's something here that what if I could do one of these a month? And so that's kind of what took off. And then when I got into real estate, now I've seen my net worth sheet is uh, gone up exponentially over the past few years under my own control. And granted, we've been in a really good market. We've been in a lot of uptick, uh, but I have, I have had some, uh, quite a few failures. I've done a lot of things wrong. I've lost money on deals. I've done a lot of things I shouldn't have. Um, but my net worth sheet has gone way higher than I thought. I thought where my net worth is now would be if I was still investing in the stock market, that's where I would be when I retire when I'm 60, 65. And this is my, I'll, I'll turn 40 this year. So that's kind of the, the aha like cycle that I saw. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the stock market. The biggest thing that I don't like is the uncertainty, the ups and downs, the uh, the light switch, especially what we see right now, we can see a 25, 30% um, overnight. Whereas in real estate, you will see values decline. But even in our worst decline, we saw about one and a half percent value per month. So you don't see necessarily see a 30% per month or per week or per day, 12% a day. Um, and it's just the feeling of, and I also have something tangible that, that I control. You can't meet the people that, that run the stocks that you buy. 
And so, um, you know, it's, I'm, I, I still have a little bit of money in the stock market, but most of it is, is uh, distributed and allocated throughout different real estate ventures. Now, and to your point about control, I mean, that, that is one of the big reasons why I got into real estate because I just, you know, be one being in the military and not really having a lot of control over what my deployment schedule was going to be like or going out to tea or my work hours, right? I wanted to have something a little more concrete to be able to, to make me money, right? And, and real estate signing seemed like that natural, that natural step to, like you said, have control over how my money was going to be made for me, how my, how my money was going to work for me. Um, having actual assets, physical assets that, you know, uh, unless some disaster happens and the property, you know, you know, gets destroyed, you know, it's going to be there for a while. Um, those are very kind of uh, very extremely rare instances where you're going to completely lose your property and not be able to get any money back out of it. Right. Um, but in the stock market, like you said, like, I mean, people's retirements have been destroyed, you know, in, in a matter of days, right. Or even in a matter of hours. And, and that just, it gives me, it gives me a queasy feeling thinking that my money, right. Um, you know, over the next 20, 30 years could be stuck in that. And, you know, just like that, something could happen that it could be all, all destroyed. Right. Um, and I, I think that, you know, a lot of people just don't fully realize that there are other options to place your money outside of, of the capital market, right. Um, outside of mutual funds or index funds or, or IRAs or however you want to kind of invest your, your nest egg for the future, right. There are other options, right. Not even just real estate, but, you know, you can buy commodities, you can buy art, you can buy, you know, big things you put your money into. I mean, gold bars, there's so many different options out there. And and for me, real estate happened to to be that one. So it seems like you kind of had a very, very similar experience with what the stock market was making for you versus what you were seeing with real estate. But at, I, lo- I love that you you tracked your, your net worth every month because that is very engineer minded. And I appreciate that because I am also an engineer. I'm very much about the numbers and what the numbers kind of, you know, are they making sense? Or are they not making sense? Okay. You know, what is the change here? Do we need to change something now so that the numbers, you know, next month or next you know, two weeks or, uh, you know, next year are better than what they are now. And, and, uh, so I, I appreciate your kind of your clinical analysis of, of how your net worth was kind of building up there. Definitely. Well, I think if you're not doing that, you're getting to the point where it's just like, it's chance. Like really we're doing this for financial independence most people some sort of some sort of independence financial independence time independence freedom right and so you know i wanted i knew when i got my kids to about five years old or older i just wanted to be able to do whatever i want to do and um, a lot has changed since then so i yeah i totally agree the ira and and 401ks i talk to a lot of uh, uh, private money lenders we raise a lot of capital for our deals for everything that we do and most people that just don't even know that it's possible and the reason is because the reason there's so much money in Wall Street, they they are, they get paid that way. You know, people get paid to to not talk about the um, creative ways to use your retirement accounts and things like that. But I mean, uh, I'll take a fixed return over the ups and downs and railroad uh, roller coaster that I get on uh, the stock market any day. So, and like like to your point with people losing their retirement, the the interesting thing is when you're in this bull market like we've seen for so long people have stayed aggressive a lot longer than they should have. And this light switch flipped and they were so aggressive that if, if you're at retirement age right now, you might not have the time to wait to start drawing off your retirement. You might need it in a year from now or a month from now or two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. And you kept, you stayed aggressive. I mean, the asset allocation is so important in the stock market and people are just get a little bit greedy. And when you get greedy, 
then that's what happens. Same thing can happen in real estate as far as greediness goes. But um, I, it's interesting to, to put it all down to chance, basically, is the way I, I look at it. And I love, if I'm, if I'm going to put my money at risk, and I want to be in control of it. And I am here. Yeah, absolutely. Primarily, like mostly in control. Yeah, and and it, and it makes sense, you know. A person who has an entrepreneurial mindset, you know, a person who realizes, you know, that they don't want to be spending the next forty years stuck in a W two job doing the same thing, you know, a person who realizes that, you know, they have a little bit of smarts, you know, and the people are making way more money than them that, you know, are are dumber or whatever. However, you want to kind of describe that. I've, I've seen that quote a, a few times. You know, there's people who are making more money doing, you know, less amount of hours and doing things that they love. And I, and I think that that is a kind of a draw for a lot of people who kind of had that mindset, who are very restless, who, you know, don't necessarily appreciate a, a, a traditional education, just don't see a lot of value in that and are very creative type of people. Um, you know, a, a person that comes to mind is Gary Vee. I don't know if you've, you've ever heard of him, but, you know, his, his, whole, his whole mindset and every time I listen to him is just so so different than what you hear in like a, a, a typical kind of employee mindset. And then and to your point about, about mindset, you know, having limiting beliefs, <clears throat> it, it's hard to get over, right? Especially in, in this job that I found, you know, people just do, do their time and then get out. Right. And I hear the common phrase of, yeah, I, I'm just doing my job, man. You know, I'm trying to do my 20 years and get out. And so it's almost like robotic for them, right? And they don't see these other opportunities to kind of branch out and supplement that income, right? Or go find something that they're passionate about, um, you know, and, and it sounds like for, for your business that you found that. So, so talk about limiting beliefs. I kind of want to ping on something you talked about here. So um, one of the big limiting beliefs a lot of people have with real estate investing, you know, whether that's buying a whole commercial estate flipping, whatever, is risk capital. And they think that, you know, you know I have $40,000 to buy out, right? I don't have millions of dollars to go drop on an apartment building. And they just get in their heads like, you know, I don't have that. There's no way I could possibly get into this. All these people that get into it must be rich starting off. And that is by no means the, the circumstances for a lot of people, especially not me. Um, so what do you tell the people uh, that say that not having capital or not having enough capital is, is their excuse for not getting into real estate and how do you get over that and what's your advice for getting over that yeah this is this is the number one thing that holds most people back for some reason and it's interesting because i gave a presentation we, we just did a cruise um recently with a bunch of my clients and and on that cruise i did a mindset presentation where um and i'd never done it before i just took a, a whiteboard and i said throw out everything that you guys currently have that's blocking you or you have in the past that you you've kind of uh, gone past, you've gotten over it. And it was everything from, yeah, not don't have money, too competitive. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, it's uncomfortable. Like you, I have a full-time job. I don't have a full-time job. I don't have any money. I have, I have money, but I don't have time. Like you name it, no time, uh, no good people out there. Um, I don't have the skill set. All of these things that are going through probably all of your listeners' minds right now, like there's something in there. And I, I have it too. I have limiting beliefs on a regular basis that I have to work through. Your mindset will control your success, hands down. It, that is the number one thing. And I think people use that word so often now that it's, it almost becomes this, this throwaway term without remembering how, how important it is, like really digging into how important it is. I had a guy who worked for me for, he worked for me for probably about three years. And he's a military guy. He's got a background in Marine Corps. And he was, he was doing what you're talking about. He was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to do what I need to do. But he had so much more potential 
And he, he, I only know this because he told me recently, he's, he's left working for me and he started his own business and he's doing really, really well for himself. But he came back and he said, Bill, I don't think you know how important that mindset piece is and the, and what you, and what you have, the way that you think is different than the way that a lot of people think. And he said, I really struggled because when you were making like $150,000, $200,000 a year, I had no idea why you wanted to keep growing because it looked risky to me. Like, I didn't know why you would take the risk to continue to grow something where you're already making. When I ran the numbers, that's, I, I don't even need to make that much to be happy and do all the things that I need to do. So I, I couldn't understand it. So when I didn't understand it, I couldn't get to where you were. I couldn't get there. I, I couldn't see the path. I didn't understand why. So I couldn't get behind it. He said, you've really got to talk more about that. And I think, it, I think he's right. I think it's really, really important because he said it took me three years to figure out something. It seemed like it took you overnight to figure out. And now three years later, I've started a company where I have employees and I'm starting to see why it's so important to think that way. Cause now I'm growing and I'm actually making an impact in other people and doing all that stuff. So I tell that story because I think it's really important for people that are listening to say, Wherever you are in your journey of mindset and however long it takes for you to get over certain things, it's individual. So the fact that somebody else can get from point A to point Z in two seconds, it doesn't mean it's going to take you two seconds to get there. It might take you a year or two years, but those are the dragons that you have to slay to become successful and get to where you want to go. So as far as money goes, the money one is one that I circled on this presentation. And I said, you see this one? Who's still, and these are, by the way, these are, these are wholesalers and flippers who are making millions of dollars a year, not just like never done their first deal, things like that. These are a group of 150 investors in the country who have to do over a quarter million dollars in profit per year and at least like a dozen deals a year to get in. So these, these folks should not have these, these limiting beliefs, right? You would think that they don't, but they still do. Mm -hmm. I said, who's, who here still has trouble with this one, finding money and saying there's no money to get where they want to go? And a lot of them raise their hands. I said, this one right here is not one that will ever be a problem for me again. I will, you can drop me on the corner of, a, of a, any city in anywhere in the, in the world, take all my money, take all my people, just you, I'm going to keep my skills and my knowledge and my mindset and the way that I think, and I will be successful. I'm confident that I will be. I'll find a way. And money will not stop me from getting deals done and doing things because I know how to have the conversation. So I think that first part of getting over this is the belief. The belief that you're worth it and the belief that you are the prize. You are the person who they need to make money on their money. So what you have is valuable. I think that's step one. So if I know that I'm valuable, then now I can go out with confidence and start having conversations about money. Step two is to not think that you're asking for a loan and you're not asking for them to help you. One time, I, I, quite a few of my family members, my family members are not like completely loaded by any means. I didn't have, I, was, I didn't have, wasn't rich kid. Um, I, that's a story for another day. But we, I have some family members that have IRAs and 401ks and they've all been saving their money for a long time. My aunts and uncles and, and things like that. And, and people that know, like, and trust. This is the world that you start in. Who knows, likes, and trusts you? Easiest conversation to have is people that already know, like, and trust you. And so the conversation that I had with one of my aunts she saw a couple of the other ones making good money, um, loaning in real estate. And she said, and I had, a, I had an opportunity come up and I, I sent out an email and she goes, well, she goes, Hey, if you need some money, we can give, we can loan you some money. I said, Whoa, no, no, no. I don't need any money. This is not charity work. This is an opportunity. 
you're presenting them an opportunity to work with you, the prize. Remember, you are the, you have the skills, you have the knowledge, you have the information, you have the deals, you have everything, you are it. You have the opportunity to come in and invest with us to make more money to benefit you, not to benefit me. Like I'm already doing this. So if you think like that, then, and you're not under this serious pressure and deadlines and all these things, and you sound desperate, like you really have to have to be confident and you have to know that you can do it. That belief. And, and to, to be perfectly honest, like the first success or two, that's what happens. The difference between never doing a deal and doing one deal is like day and night. The difference between doing one and doing a hundred it's a, a little bit of education and training and, and repetition and things like that, but that's zero to one. So like raising your first bit of money, getting that confidence, go out and figure out what's the easiest way that I can do that. Cause you start getting confidence. You start changing your beliefs and you change your beliefs. You start changing your actions and your results and all the things. It's a big cycle that happens and you got to see those little wins. You got to pick up those little wins, but knowing that it's an opportunity and knowing that you are valuable because lenders need borrowers and borrowers need lenders. It's a symbiotic relationship. Without you as the prize, the person who has the value, the lender doesn't make any money on their money. It sits in their bank account. Mm -hmm. So we're the ones putting in the time, doing the deals, going out there and finding them. The earlier we can realize that, the earlier we realize how valuable we are out in that ecosystem. And when you know your value and you start building up your value in your mind, it becomes easy. Like I, I can have a conversation with anybody right now. And if they don't want to do business with me, that's fine. But I'm not going to be asking them for money. And, and, and so the whole mindset piece is so important in anything. This is, we're just talking about money, but this can go anywhere from starting a business, making it making that first offer with that seller. Like, that's so uncomfortable. You're like, why should they do business with me? If you believe it, you believe you have a million dollars in your pocket when you walk into that house and you think like that, you're going to act differently. So um, anyway, I know there's a long answer. So hopefully that helps. No, that was that was a great answer, and it was exactly what I, I figured you were you were going to talk about, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I that that was exactly what I was thinking. So, and I, and I love the fact that um, you mentioned that your mindset will control your success, and, and I think that that's you know we we've, we've hit on mindset multiple times during this interview, and because I think it's it's absolutely important you know, whether you're getting started, you've been doing it for twenty years, like having that mindset and constantly having the self awareness and reevaluating, you know, what, you know. Is this action helping, right? Is this action adding value into you know one person or another? I think that self awareness and having that mindset pushing forward and and um you know and and I love the two points you brought up about wanting to believe you know not only yourself but in the deal, right? Having having the confidence to to believe in what you're what you're talking about, right? Having the confidence to, to show your passion for the business that you are, you know, the opportunities you're offering to people. And then and I think that the second part is, is thinking of it as not asking for money, but thinking of it as an opportunity to invest in the deal. Right, I think it has an opportunity for them to make more money. Right, and, and I think you'll kind of touch on that. What I found is is you really have to know why that would be a deal for them, rather than okay, you know, we're gonna make you this amount of returns, you know, this amount of time in this market. Right? You know, why is that better than them putting their money into you know uh, a bond, right, or putting it into stock market, or just giving to a financial advisor? Right, and, and I think that really kind of moves a lot of people who who are talking to individuals who you know are trying they're trying to offer these opportunities to. Is knowing why your opportunity is necessarily better than another one, right? Or at the very least, educating them, right? I, I feel like a lot of people who have money, right, to be able to put into endeavors like this may not know that real estate is an option, right? Or may not know how to get into real estate, or may not know, you know, how that kind of uh, that vehicle works compared to stocks or, or bonds or the capital market. Um, and so that's the approach I take. Is you know, you, you do want to do two things with with um when I talk to investors, right? You either teach them or they just invest you, right? And either way, you're, they're walking away. 
with uh, more knowledge than they did starting off at Frank. Um, and I think having the goal of adding value and providing them as an opportunity is a, is a really good point. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, the, you know, the interesting thing about um, what, what I try to do is just give them a, a consultation, right? And, and talk to them a little bit about. So I, I, the key, I think, in the beginning, when you said kind of teach them a little bit is if you don't know what their goals are, mm-hmm. you don't know what to present and how to present it to them. I'm not going to present a long-term commercial deal to somebody where they're not going to get paid any cash flow in the first two years. And it's going to be a value add play where they're going to get their money back five to 10 years from now when they're looking for monthly payments right now. And I'm not going to pitch somebody on a short-term, you know, fix and flip deal that they're going to make when they don't want to pay a lot of taxes right now in year one. So it's, it's really thinking about what do they want? What do they need? Who are they? So that's where I start. Any conversation starts with, you know, what are your, what are your goals, your investment goals, period? Tell me what they are. And then I start taking in information. It's like, you know, we do a lot of direct-to-seller marketing. So we, we're in a lot of people's houses. Um, and now we're on a lot of people's phones. So we're talking to them on the phone, right? So mm-hmm. when we talk to them, I'm not going to even start delivering a, an offer or have a conversation about that until I find as much information out as I can. I, I need to know what their goals are. Otherwise, because if you start with their end in mind, with them as the person, your, your close ratio is so much higher than figuring out what you want and need. So that's a big mistake that I see a lot of people have. No, that, that's a really good point. It's, it's making it about them rather than about you. Um, and yeah. I've, I've kind of thought about that a lot more when we, when we put out content or we talk with investors or we, or we make different, um, you know, pitch decks is, you know, what, what does this investor want to see, right? What is their ultimate goal? Right. And, and not about, okay, you know, we're going to make, you know, tens of millions of dollars on this deal as your, you know, your general partners or your, your active kind of investor on this and this is what you're going to make versus, okay, you know, we're, this is a stable investment. You're, you're, and if you're, you're towards your retirement, right. And you just want to have a stable investment, right. One that's making some good returns, but nothing that's going to be like, okay, if, if coronavirus hits tomorrow, is our property value is going to drop, right. It's going to be really hard to sell a flip, you know, all these different factors. And I think that's a really good point uh, is, is really get to know your investor and know what their goals are. So appreciate that. So uh, we're running a little bit low on time here. So I kind of want to, uh, to, topic here so um you know the, the reason we met is because you're you have an event coming up and i kind of want to break into that because i i think it's a really good opportunity for a lot of military uh you know, investors to think about and, and know about so you, know, you want to talk to us about the thing you have coming up yeah absolutely so um obviously we're in a challenging time right now with the events like live events so my my goal for this event was to be the first uh, ever military live event where we get together and we talk about real estate investing so um, and by first ever military live event, I mean like a true real estate investing live event where we all get together. And there's so many, there's so many military like content creators right now. They're building their communities. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to figure out how, how can we all work together? And, um, cause I'm, I, I'm a wholesaler and flipper. That's like, that's what I do. I, I do some commercial stuff, but that's my own personal money. And I'm typically a limited partner and, uh, and just investing passively. So, I reached out to a lot of different people that have different communities and said, Hey, would you speak on this? Would you speak on multifamily? Would you speak on flipping? Would you speak on wholesaling? Would you speak on uh, lending money? Would you speak on turnkey investing? And we have passive and active vehicles here. So can we create an event where military members can come and see what's possible? Almost like a career fair where over two days we can share um, all of the mindset, the skills, the backgrounds of these people and say, how were they successful? 
successful? Like, what did they use in the past? What, what were some of their, their, their superpowers, right? Their unfair advantages is the way that I think of this. Like, what, what was it about you that made you so successful? Because these are all very successful people in their, in their own industry. And I'm not a successful, huge multifamily investor. I'm a successful wholesaler and flipper. So there's something about me, and I've been doing it now, where I know I can see the person that's going to be successful before they can sometimes. So I can tell my story. Hopefully, somebody who hears themselves in me and some of the skills that they need to go forward and also give them the other half of my presentation be an actual item about what you can do where I'm delivering value and content to everyone on the call. But then they can say, I, w- I could be that guy or I could be that gal or I can see myself doing that. And that, that way you don't have to go wholesale for a year and hate it and then think you have to move up to be, be a flipper and then to get to multifamily. Where a lot of people think it's the stepping stone process. Why don't you just go right to where you should be? right to where you're incredibly successful, right to where, and, and, and find the person that can help you get there, those kind of things. So come together for two days, share a bunch of, te- and not just for the people who are just getting started either, for the people who right now are flipping and hate it. They're like, you know what? I hate dealing with contractors. I hate dealing with uh, real estate agents. I hate dealing with retail buyers that ask me for all these repairs on every house that I have. They say, you know what? I, there's gotta be a better way. And they say, you know what? I wanna go invest in mobile home parks. Like this guy breaks it down for me. This is great. I can do that. And they can see the stepping stone to the next place they want to go to. So I really think anybody from never doing a deal to people who are uh, in their industry doing it right now, they just want to kind of sharpen their axe a little bit to come to this event. So obviously it was going to be in person in St. Louis um, with everything that's going on with this coronavirus right now. We, um, I had to make a decision of where I thought we were going to be at the end of May. And I was putting up a lot of my own money for this to try to figure it out. Military members can't travel. They can't put in orders. They can't uh, or put in leave requests. Uh, basically, when all that the DOD policy came out, our ticket sales just shut down. And I could see the writing on the wall. So we transitioned it to a virtual event. It also allows a lot of other people to come to this. I think it's a blessing in disguise, frankly. Uh, being our first event, we can get a little bit of momentum. We can see, we can show people how awesome this can be, and then we can build in the. Um, the uh, actual event on the next year, or maybe later on in the summer, depending on how everything goes and how adventurous I want to get and how good of a turnout we have. Um, so we're, we make it, we're making it a virtual event. So it's a two day virtual event. Um, if anybody's listening and has bought tickets, then we're giving you the option to transition to the virtual event or stay on the live event. Um, and we'll, we'll make some adjustments. We're probably going to add some bonuses, the recordings, all that stuff that you can get. Um, so I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I have 23 unbelievable speakers at this event that anywhere from, I mean, I got a financial, uh, a financial independence guy. I got a VA loan officer. Um, I got a real estate agent that has built a huge real estate business, real estate agent business. So there's lots of different ways to get into this business. And hopefully this shows somebody the path that they need. And honestly, if we help like one or two people uh, find their way in their path, I'll be happy. I always say like, I'll do as many podcasts as it takes. I'll share my message to everywhere. If it just helps one person, it's worth it. So I think it's going to be great. We got some powerhouse speakers. We got some unbelievable people. I've uh, like, I've spoke to every single person individually and we got our first choice in every, every Avenue. They're also all veterans. They're all either active duty now or uh, previous active duty members in the military. Mm -hmm. So they walk the walk. They know what, they know what you've been through. They know what you're talking about. And we've also opened it up to anybody who wants to come. So not just military, it's just a little more expensive for uh, non-military, non-vets. So um, that is the kind of, 
quick and dirty of the event. Oh, all the money goes to charity too. We're taking, I'm not making money on this. Every single dollar that uh, comes through the door goes to a veteran run charity. Um, I'll be announcing those charities as we get closer. I basically, I want to split it up a little bit and I'm, uh, I'm currently vetting a couple different charities to see what the best place to go is. Um, but that's all going to be, um, uh, you know, it's, this isn't for me. This is for, this is for the people that are attending. And this is also for the, for the charitable cause that we can make an impact uh, out there this year. So I'm excited about it. I'm pumped. Uh, you can go to veteranslive.com, um, veteranslive.com and, and check it out. We'll be updating the, uh, all the landing pages and everything here probably by the time this goes out, I would hope. Okay. And do you have actual dates yet for it? Oh yeah, it's uh, May 29th and 30th. So it's a Friday and Saturday, May 29th and 30th. Um, and it's, uh, I'm not going to call it the St. Louis event anymore because it's not in St. Louis. But uh, you could be in St. Louis and still attend. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think, I think we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a great, um, now a lot of people were asking, can, are you going to do live stream this? Is it, can, I stay, can I come virtually? Because we're all around the country. Um, so I mean, you don't have to pay for a flight anymore. You don't have to pay for a hotel. You don't have to pay for all that stuff. Um, I think it's a, a great, it's a business, it's a business expense. A lot of people are saying, can I donate it straight to the charity? Um, obviously talk to your CPA and, uh, and tax person, but every business expense I have is an equal write off to a, uh, to a charitable cause. So, um, and we'll be, we'll be, uh, I'll be very, very forthcoming about who we're, who we're donating to all that stuff. Um, it's, this is, a, this is, a, that's the fun part of what I get to do is, uh, bless some people with some, uh, some big donations. So hopefully, so the more support we get, obviously the bigger check that we can write. Absolutely. All right. So, so learners, if you want to go find out more about this, uh, about this event, Veterans Live is a website, May 29th to the 30th. Uh, I, I heard about this, you know, at least two months ago and I was really excited about it. I was one of the people who wanted to ask if it be virtual. It's being here in Japan. It's a, it's a little difficult to fly back to St. Louis. So I will definitely be there if you are a military investor, have any affiliations in the military, and you kind of want to know more about these different aspects of, of real estate, because there's, there's a lot to learn, right? There's a lot to learn, and you may not necessarily get it all from doing your own research. So I think bringing together what you're doing here is bringing together a, a number of experts to talk about the different aspects of real estate investing, right? Because you know, I, I knew a lot about single family homes, but I didn't actually know about apartment buildings until I really got into it, right? And there's a lot of people maybe in that same boat about flipping, about wholesaling, about, you know, you name it in regards to, to real estate investing, that whole kind of market. So what you're doing is, is amazing. And, and I think our military investors and our military as a whole really need to have this as an option, right? Because um, a lot of these other conferences are, are quite expensive. And um, my first getting started, I, I was going back and forth. Okay, should I spend, you know, you know, ultimately about three grand to go to this conference on, you know, the actual piece of the conference, hotel rooms, the flights, like there's a lot that goes into it. I think providing that option as a virtual option will, will help a lot of people really get into it and just sit down and watch, especially if they're, if they're still stuck indoors by that time. Well, we'll see. I think that's, that's a question. So Veterans Live was like May 29th to the 30th of 2020. Definitely take, it, take that it, it virtual. So you really have no excuse. It's not really a lot of money you have to go spend on it. So. Awesome. But that's not a great event. I'll definitely be there. And um, I hope to, so to see your, your bright smiling face there, Bill, you know, in a couple of months. So. All right. So we're running low on time here, and I want to get into the, the snapshot rounds, if you're ready for it. I'm ready. Awesome. All ahead, plank, cavitate. Snapshot, tube, tube. All right, Bill, first question. What is your number one failure in real estate? Uh, Hmm. Uh, so I've had a lot of bad 
deals. And um, I think the biggest thing for me, and you know, failure is tough. I, I, I'm not ever somebody who's going to admit that I have failed over and over. But I all these all these failures, I think that we all have, are what what we need to grow, right? So a failure is something that gives you that next step. Like uh, if we don't fail, then everything's perfect. Uh, you never learn anything, right? So I've learned so much. Um, I look back and I can potentially not seeing this path as early as I should have at, more as an entrepreneur. That's one thing that I really hold close. And I've, I lost $70,000 on a house because I bought it because it was right next to a railroad track. And I didn't know how deadly railroad tracks were to houses, but uh, I do now. So for numbers wise, that was my biggest loss. It was a luxury house in Pensacola right next to a railroad track. It was on HGTV, by the way. So uh, nice. those houses don't always make great money and look as good as they do on TV. And so, um, I, you know, I, I encourage failure. I really love it. Um, in my mind, that's probably the biggest failure that I've had, uh, like money-wise. But I also think it was the, it's something that probably will make me hundreds of thousands of dollars more over time because I'll never make that mistake again. So uh, I like making mistakes and failing. So. Don't, don't be discouraged by failure. Uh, thrive off of it. Okay. So you're saying, would you say your number one failure is not seeing this path beforehand? Not seeing it earlier? Probably, you know, probably if we're talking about money, it's obviously that house uh, right there on I-10 in, in uh, Pensacola. But if we're talking about like big picture stuff, like looking back, um, it, it's really hard for me to answer this question. I'll be honest, because it comes to the mindset piece, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, when it, I had to, I, you got to follow the journey that you're on. When you look back and you say, I wish I, I wish I started when I was 20 years old. Well, I'm, I'll be in a totally different place. Like we're, we're going down this journey. When you look back, if you're in a tough time right now and you're struggling and you're having a hard time and you're having problems and you feel like you're a failure, you're not like you're going through that time. And so I, I'm a, I'm a Christian guy. And, um, and there's, there's, a, there's parts of the Bible that talk about going, going through the brown to get to the green pastures. And you've got to go through those times to get to the green, to get to the great places that we have. The, 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 remember the times that you had so much fun that your uh, life is great, right? You've got to go through these challenges and these struggles to get back to those places. Like all of this stuff that we're doing is by design. We don't see where we are right now and why, but you'll see in the future. Like when you get there, when you get to the green, you can look back through the brown that you just went through and see mm -hmm. that you needed to go through that, those failures, those struggles, those issues. Without that, like, you're not, you're, you're never going to grow. You're never going to excel. You're not going to get out of your shell and get, you know, move to the next level that you need to be. So I, I it's probably a really long answer for this, but it's really hard for me to like pinpoint failures because I look back and I say, yeah, I screwed that up. I messed that up. I messed that up. But to failure to me means doing the same thing and the same mistake over and over and over again without learning anything from it. And I don't think that I've ever done that. So Maybe I can stand here and say that I've, or sit here, I guess, and say that I've never failed at anything because all I did was make mistakes and, and issues came up and I, I learned from it and grew from it. And I, did, I never failed twice in the same thing. And so that to me would be the ultimate failure. So uh, I don't know. It's a hard question to answer without getting on my soapbox, I guess. No, it's great. It's a great answer. It's smart. All right. Next question. What is your, the number one thing that has contributed to your success? My, I think my military background and the way that I was raised as a kid from my dad, um, leadership has been it. Um, I, I think that's the number one thing that I didn't realize. Um, 
and I think it goes back to that same thing of mindset. Like uh, leadership is, is is a certain mindset that you have that you can walk the walk uh, to to have your people follow you. And I think the reason that I've been successful the way I have is because I can uh, people will come along with me. And um, and I think I think leadership is that I think the the real leaders it's uh, um, their success leaves real clues. I mean you can see those leaders. So leadership and uh, and the guidance that I've had and the mentors that I've picked along the way, and that have picked me, frankly. Perfect. All right. Uh, where, uh, sorry. Uh, what is an, an one nugget of investing knowledge you want to give us? Take action. Like just get out, go out and do something. It's fine to, and, and maybe this isn't the time to go out and do something. This is the time to actually jump in. Like if you're going to, if this is what you want to do and you know it, go do something about it. Like don't just sit there and say, I could have, I should have, I would have. Mm-hmm. Like I might be the one saying, Oh, I wish I learned this path earlier in life, but you know what? It's not slowing me down now. Like now I know, fine, let's go. Full steam ahead. Take action, get out there and do stuff that you can read. You can spend time on blogs all you want. You can listen to podcasts over and over and over again, but you've got to go out there and do something. Then come back and learn what the next thing that you need to learn. Go out and do it. And continue. That, the best way to learn is by doing. So go out and take action. That's the biggest thing. Like if I hadn't sent a bunch of mailers out there, started taking phone calls, even though I hate taking call, talking on the phone, I wouldn't be where I am now. Love it. All right, Bill, last question. What is your dream? Uh, this, is a, this is a tough one for me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I want my, I've gotten to the point in, on my journey where at first it was about making more money. And money is not going to get you very far. And money is just a means to, to something. And then it became about uh, kind of getting some of my time back. But that turned into really... Um, being able to choose what I do and what I don't do. Like I'm the one in charge of my life. So I was able to take my life back and be the one in charge. And now I think it's about making an impact on, on people, my staff, people that listen to me on podcasts like this, at my events, um, the clients that we have, like all of that stuff is is about impact and my impact in my family and my children. Uh, My dream is that my family, my kids grow up to be um, my real dream is that I, if my kids look at me like I look at my dad as just the role model, the leader for them, the, the guidance that they needed. And they look at me one day and say, you know what, dad, I'm successful because of you. And uh, that's it. And, and obviously as many other people as I can take along on that mission with me, then great. So, and then I have a dream to raise a million dollars for charity in a year, but we'll see if we get there. <laughs> um, I think the, the impact is, is what it's about. And you find people that are impact driven and people driven and they want to see change in people. And um, those are the people that I want to follow. So. Excellent. Got it. Well, Bill, I appreciate you coming on here today. That was a, I had a blast and I appreciate all you had to say. So if people want to learn more about you individually uh, or your businesses, where can they go? Uh, yeah, probably the best place to go. Obviously, go to veteranslive.com, buy a ticket. You'll see me. I'll be moderating everything. But uh, sevenfigureflipping.com, like the number seven, uh, figureflipping.com, it's got all of our stuff. Uh, it's got information about me. You can get in contact with us there, like the team and, and everybody. Um, my investment team at Blackjack Real Estate, they they help out a lot with um, the mastermind groups that we were running stuff and some of the events. So sevenfigureflipping.com is probably it. We have a podcast and uh and do some bunch of events. So it's an interesting time for us in that, that business too. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Bill. Well, again, thank you for coming on the show and talking about your, your experiences, your life and about veterans live. I will definitely be there. And I hope 
to see a lot of the learners there as well, because I think it's going to be a great event, you know, whether whether you're military or not, I think it's going to be a, a lot of great information there. Um, so please check it out and uh, I hope you stay safe back to the States and uh, healthy, especially healthy. And, um, you know, let me know how I can help you. Sure, sure. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Anthony. I had a good time. This, I always love talking about mindset. That's, that's I'm so glad we got there. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Before you go, I want to be real for a second. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way to promoting the show and continuing to bring you great content from stellar guests. I read every rating, and it helps me to develop the best practices, give you the best possible version of me and the show. If you have comments, recommended topics, or guests, uh, reach out to me at anthony at pintocapitalinvestments.com, and let's connect. Now, if you're interested in investing with us or learning more about what we do, check out our website at pintocapitalinvestments.com to set up a free call where we can chat about your goals, your aspirations, financial dreams, or whatever you want to talk about. But that's all I have, folks. I'll catch you next time on the Lessons of Real Estate Show.